know some arranged marriages that have kicked off as partnerships and have only stayed partnerships. And that's when you end up in a loveless marriage and you kind of only do it for your children or because there's also a taboo of divorce in arranged marriages. dramatic look over at you <laughs> um so like i like to start the podcast um i want to do a little cheersy cheers yeah uh you guys i've again turned a new leaf and i'm drinking kombucha i'm not even drinking alcohol it's unfortunate i'm on that whiskey she is she's drinking what an irish mule mm-hmm. so we did it yeah we did like a little bourbon a little ginger so shout out to my pals who gifted me the full uh moscow mule kit oh yeah shout out. i know birth- birthday gift everyone's like we know you're not an alcoholic winky face and i'm like I get one more alcohol gift. Y'all know me too well. Um, but I wanted to bring Jinx on because Jinx and I actually met at Kushko, and I feel like I just talked about Kushko again. But um, sweet little angel, I feel like we bonded like super super quick. You have like one of the most outgoing personalities I've ever mm-hmm. experienced, um, and it's kind of cool because we have similar like upbringing trajectories. So you mm-hmm. are also an immigrant, um, also mm-hmm. super social and outgoing. Um, however, we do have like a five year age difference, <laughs> which is wild. But um, yeah, I guess I'll let you little take it like away. I just want to, I don't know, give people like a little bit about you and like what you do, your little background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, super social, originally in finance, not really a social um, career to be in. Yeah. People question it all the time. Um, but currently furloughed, shout out pandemic, <laughs> shout out to that pandemic. Um, but other than that, I'm just chilling, trying to find myself, you know, dive into dating a little bit, but just touching it. Not too much. <laughs> That's all she said, baby. Yeah, just giving a little poke, see if it moves. Just all to right. see oh. that it's alive, oh. you know? Oh, you know, water the plants a little. Yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> all right, give me the tea. Um, are you dating? No, absolutely single. I tried it a little bit here and there, but didn't really pan out, which is fine. Honestly, yeah. it's a little hard. Um, and I, to be completely honest, I like don't really feel comfortable hanging out with people right now anyway. Yeah. Unless they're like my friends. It's just something that I'm being safe about. Yeah. But I'm on online um, dating apps. They kind of work for me. What are you on? Hinge mostly. Okay. That's a good one. I like Hinge. I'm on Bumble here and there, but you kind of like, there's like certain taboos with dating apps. If you mm-hmm. like Tinder's all about sex, mm-hmm. um, Bumble used to be good, but then it's like, I've heard a lot of girls talk about Bumble. Um, in a way that kind of like the girls are making the first move so it's like they feel a little uneasy but I don't really care about that because I'm an independent bitch who need no man shit okay well also Mm -hmm. shout out to to Whitney I believe Hereford for the CEO of Bumble yes she recently on the on February 11th um just IPO'd and Mm -hmm. she is the youngest youngest female um billionaire on the market so that is fucking amazing and like she also co-founded tinder which is interesting, yeah. Which is, the, I think, I love hearing that because it's like women empowerment. I love seeing women in big positions like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of inspiring in a way. Like, maybe I can do something like that. Who yeah, knows? I know. And we just talked about, too. We're like, ooh, start yeah. business, start business. Yeah. 
Um, I love that. Well, and too, like LA makes it so difficult on dating, um, not only with the pandemic, but I think that the market is like super, super saturated, right? I mm-hmm. think everybody wants the next big thing. Everybody's an aspiring actor, an aspiring, yeah. questionable maybe career. Not saying that acting's not a career, but it's, you see a lot of people that are saying like, oh, we're, you know, the typical kind of quote unquote LA person. Yeah. And they have these like kind of like unachievable, um, um, qualifications I think for people in their dating life which is kind of interesting and this is just like uh what I've heard from other people that live in LA it's a little more superficial out there for sure um I haven't really experienced it too much Mm. um but from what I hear from other people like obviously talking to guys out there that I have dated and been in LA for a while yeah um they'll like one of the comments that they'll have is like oh you're not like usually the type of LA girl and I'm just like well I I mean I did just move in here and it's not that hard to have a personality so I don't I don't know the type of women you're meeting granted I moved in February of last year and worked 12 hour days and then ended up being quarantined at home since March so haven't really experienced too much of LA like that but Dating apps have helped a little bit. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it helps just to have like some communication, right? Like Mm -hmm. outside of just like you and your roommate or like the typical occasional person or dinner that you get. Yeah. Um, Sweet, but figured I wanted to just like kind of touch on that background. But so what we want to talk about. So again, like you and I kind of definitely align on the like the cultural perspective of just being like two female immigrants and like, again, also immigrating here. And I think you you said at the age of seven yes. as well, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to know like your experience of like immigrating here, like the expectations that your parents kind of like have for you and your future. And then like a little bit about like their arranged marriage because mm-hmm. I know that they were arranged. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'll just let you kind of handle it. Yeah. So I came here when I was seven. Um, I think growing up, the hardest part for me was um, adjusting like anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, from India? From yeah. India, yes. Um, born and raised, moved here when I was seven. Um, I didn't really get into the Western culture, I would say, until um 14 I was introduced to to it a little bit when I was like in seventh grade so 12 13 um but I really got into it when I was 14 um my parents have god bless them they're they're not as conservative as most Indian parents but they do hold conservative values and what I mean by that is like everything is they do have expectations in terms of what they would like for me to marry or date or things they would want me to do and pursue but with my parents is everything's a conversation which is what I feel like I'm super blessed with versus other Indian families um I can always convince my family to like kind of see my point of view or at least understand where I'm coming from so super blessed for that do you feel like that's because that you have like siblings or do you think that that's just because like they've just been able to let go of some of like the things that they were holding on to culturally? I think it's um, a little bit of the latter one. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, because, well, the only reason I say that is because my sister's very shy and complete opposite of me. Mm-hmm. So I have definitely paved the way for her, made room, and she doesn't even use all the room that I've made mm. for her. She just walks through it. Yeah. So she's a simple one, like not the crazy one, and I'm the one that wants to like try this, go get a tattoo, I want to get this piercing, I want to do this. And my sister's like, "Mm, I don't really know if I even want, like, my cartilage pierced. Or she goes back and forth on getting, like, a sister tattoo with me all the time. And I'm like, bitch, you already fucking committed. My gosh. We're getting it. Yeah. That's so funny, too. Just knowing you, too, and, like, for a little bit of background perspective, Jinx is also 25. 
Um, and she's just, I always forget because I feel like you just have this like fulfilled career. You're in LA, like you have this like amazing, like friend group, right? You're on your own. You're not Mm -hmm. like sitting here milking, you know, your life from your parents, which are like freaking admire. Right. But you've also, I I assume were like raised to like, I think, think a little bit differently where Mm -hmm. I think Western culture, like bringing back to that. Right. Um, I think that with Western culture, it's very much like, you know, live with your parents for a very long time. And then like, they're still heavily involved in your life. And like a lot of like, there's like a lot of monetary ties, um, where at least I know, at least for myself, it's not like that. So you kind of have to like grow up very, very quick. Yeah. My parents, I think have provided like a pretty good lifestyle for me in terms of, um, growing up. Um, my first official job wasn't until I was like 19, maybe, because yeah. um, they always felt that I didn't really need a job. They wanted me to focus on school. So I was definitely very, very, very career oriented, which mm-hmm. kind of made me back burner my dating life, which I don't really regret. The only mm-hmm. thing I think I would regret about that is that um, I there was moments where I've stopped myself from doing things I've wanted to do in my dating life and my personal life because of my career. Okay. Which I could have done both. That's the only thing that I regret. Not choosing my career over that. It's more like I, I could have made both work. Kind yeah. Of. Is that like a reflection of like where, I guess, like the expectations that your parents have of you or those standards that you've set on yourself? You know, initially it was the expectations my parents had on me. But then I realized that it was, that was more of an excuse for myself and me having a little bit of like commitment issues and trying to make like my parents happy and also make like myself happy and yeah. um ultimately at the v- very beginning of me like exploring like my personal life and dating mm-hmm. um my mom actually not even my dad my mom and I had a huge disconnect on that um I remember one time I was talking to this guy and I had told my mom like yeah he's not like he's not Indian he's like I don't want to say his ethnicity because I'm, I'm sure if he listens to this, he would know exactly what he is. This was years ago. This was like three years ago. Okay. Maybe maybe four years ago. So cool. before I even worked at Kush, actually. Okay. I was about to be yeah, like, yeah. do I know this person? No, no, no. You don't know this yeah, person. Yeah. Um, and so um, he was like a mixed race. And I like told my mom about it. And she was like, she cried. She <gasps> literally cried. And it like broke my heart that I was breaking my mom's heart. But then I was like explaining to her, I'm like, what am I doing wrong in your eyes? Like, Mm -hmm. am I doing something wrong? And then I think that's when she, and then I started crying and we both had like this weird heart to heart in the car. Yeah. And I think that's, that was like a, a huge turning point in our relationship because I ultimately told her, I was like, I stopped, I stopped dating. Like you pushed me to date, you pushed me to get married and, um, And I like decide to not do these things because it's easier because the man I want to bring home and the man that like I tend to go for the men that I tend to go for or like because I don't I I have high standards, but I don't have a preference in those high standards. Like granted, I'm very, very, very picky, but that's just me being super for the lack of a better word, pretentious in a way. <laughs> sure, but, okay, but you're allotted that too, right? It's your life, your path, your relationship. Like, yeah. you can make the decisions that you want to you, you feel empowered to make, right? Yeah. So ultimately, like, going back, I told my mom, I was like, I can't make you happy and make myself happy at the same time, so I just choose not to put myself in that position. Because it's easier to just be single, honestly. 
And from then on, I think she, like, realized, like, I need to let my daughter do what she needs to do. So, like, they'll make comments here and there. And if you ask her, like, she'll, like, both my parents agree on, like, they would prefer me to date an Indian and marry an Indian, obviously, because of cultural values and ties and similarities in that. And there will be a um, disconnect in terms of, like, a language barrier and stuff with my family. And if I end up bringing home somebody that's Mm -hmm. not... um, Hindi or Gujarati speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're bilingual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So English is my third language. Um, at home, I speak Gujarati. Well, I speak Hindi. If my parents ever listen to this, they'll be like, you don't speak Gujarati at home either. <laughs> but yeah, so I understand and speak Gujarati. Yeah. Um, understand Hindi. It just takes me a while to formulate a sentence. But English is my first language that I choose to speak. Got it. Yeah. That's kind of the, the way I work too, where I'm like, I technically, I don't even like to say that I'm fluent in Russian. I always mm-hmm. say that I'm conversational. And yeah. then I'm um, obviously like English. I'm absolutely fluent. But like if I'm forced in a situation where I need to speak Russian, I, I it's absolutely there. It's just when I'm here, my brain processes everything in English. I yeah. think in English. So I'm going to formulate sentences in that in my dominant right. language. So then when I'm home, I just automatically am speaking English. And my parents are like, you have such an opportunity to speak Russian. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well... Yes, but how long do you want me to take to reply to you with that like singular sentence? Although they're completely willing to like you know yeah. work through that with me, but for me it's just the way that the fast my brain works. I'm like, nope, nope, we're just gonna keep going. Yeah, I'm sure you're probably with the same, the exact same way. And when they're talking to you in like your native language, you kind of don't even realize because yeah. my parents will speak to me in Gujarati and I'll answer in English, and it's like. Mm-hmm. I won't even notice that that's what's happening. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. But, um, so yeah. Have you ever brought somebody home um, to meet your family? Or do you usually like to keep it disconnected? You know, I've actually never brought anyone home. There was one point in my life where I thought I would... My mom was like, oh, I kind of want to meet him. Mm -hmm. But um, it was more because that was the first guy I think I've ever had anything with. And that would be like the first guy that would I would say that like was a loss for me. Like that was my only what if in my life. Okay. And um, no regrets. I mean, obviously some regrets there in terms of not being a woke bitch. But um, <laughs> other than that, like I think everything happened for the right reason. Yeah. But I, I mean, sorry if anybody from my past is listening to this. Um, I'm glad I never brought any of them home. Yeah. It's a, you're, you're in a safe space. It's a small pod. So <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, so I guess with that being said, right, like with the fact that your parents had an arranged marriage mm-hmm. and I know that like a love marriage is typically, I think like frowned apart, frowned upon or not as popular. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had the conversation with them to see like, is that something that they've ever regretted in life or do they fully believe in like the partnership that they've been able to cultivate over time? So I think my parents are, this is, this kind of comes back to the, what I was saying previously on them being very modern. Um, even though they're very traditional in a way of, in terms of how they were brought up and how their life is going, they don't expect me to live that way. So they definitely yeah. understand like the generational differences between my life and my life growing up here and then them being raised over there. So I've never actually asked them if they regret it because when I look at my parents, I see them as such yin and yang. Like they work together so, so well. And everyone looks at me and they probably might think like oh her one with one of her parents has to be crazy like there Mm -hmm. has to be a balance no absolutely not they're both modest as hell and I'm just the crazy one in my family so my mom and dad I think were um my dad 
we make fun of my dad all the time for this and he might kill me for saying this but my mom was actually the 49th girl that he saw shut the wait hold up okay please rewind back and give me the full story of how this happened or why this works or like what that even like means in spectrum (laughs) yeah so um I recently asked my dad, I was like, why did you take so long to find a wife? Because granted, he was arranged, my dad was arranged and my mom was arranged. So they were both looking, their families were looking for a partner and um, for them. And so my dad's dad died when he was very young. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he was about 24. Um, So he had to become the man of the household really fast. So he spent a huge chunk of um, his 20s kind of, being the rock and support system for my grandma and my aunt. Um, So uh, when it was time for him to find a wife, there were certain things that he needed in women and certain things that he didn't want women to go through. So in terms of women he was seeing, he like didn't pick certain women because he didn't think that they could handle um, or he didn't want to put them in a position of like walking into a marriage with like, uh, his dad being gone and him having having a lot of responsibilities and things like that, things like that. So he needed a lot of um, he needed a very specific type of woman, mm-hmm. and my mom ended up being that woman for him. Thank the fucking lord because honestly, she is an angel. If she wasn't my mom, I would still think the same about her. <laughs> She's so pure hearted. Um, but my mom was 24 and my dad was seven years older than her Okay. when they got married. So there's a seven-year age difference. And at first it was really gross to me because I have cousins that are seven years younger than me. And I'm like, it was like me marrying some of them. Ooh, mm-hmm, my cousin's mm-hmm. nasty. But now I'm like 25 and I think of like someone that's 32. And some I'm like, boys. that's so normal. Like I would totally date a guy that was 32. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're, they're arranged so... Their story is that they were introduced by, I think, a family member in the family by word of mouth. They were like, oh, I have my niece or something that's looking to get married. And my dad was obviously looking. And so they meet up and they like each other's families and they hang out for a little bit. And and then they ultimately decide, like, okay, like, then they look at birth charts. That's not all families, but... In India, birth charts are recorded as soon as you get married, or as soon as you're born. Okay. And so birth charts are used to kind of compare or see someone's compatibility in a way. It's different from astrology because I think right now modern day astrology is a lot about horoscopes and Mm -hmm. stuff. And a lot of that is fabricated and can be fabricated and seen as very um, vague. So I can see why there's skepticism around that, but um, birth charts are um, astrological is what I would say. Can you give like a brief description? Astronomy. So like for example, like if you type in your birth chart, um, you can, you can get your birth chart however you want on the internet. So they, there's a study behind it. So you have to study what these charts mean and what these angles and symbols and how planetary movements work. So you have to study space in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and in India, there's like a course that you can take and you have to master it in a way to kind of give people advice on these things. Yeah. And so um, they got their birth charts read and they were compatible and things like that. And also certain birth charts... Um, kind of talk about the future in a way like oh you might have difficulty doing this and you have, might have difficulty doing this and some of that shit has been true for me okay so 
that's why I believe it. But obviously, I don't. No one in my family, at least that I know, of, follows it to the T. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have some sort of skepticism. You can't believe in something like one hundred percent like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was two weeks. I may be wrong, but they decided to get. They were like, okay, cool, we can get married. Wow. Yeah, and then they got married. My mom was twenty four. She had me at twenty five. I think. Yeah. Damn, like right in within the year. Oh, actually, I think my mom got married at twenty three. And she had me at 24. Okay. Yeah, she had me at 24. That wow. was, the, yeah. I was such Crazy. a delinquent at that age. Oh my God, I'm 25. I can't even imagine having a kid. Yeah. There's no way. I can't even have a puppy right now. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Granted, pandemic throws a wrench in everything. But yeah. yes. Yeah. Fuck the pandemic. You heard it here. For <laughs> heard the it here first. Time. Podcast is over. Just kidding. <laughs> but, um, dude, my mom is like a huge believer in... Um, the three what is it the three astrological signs that like work together or something like that she's oh, like, like always the ascending and the sun sign and the moon sign and like the chinese sign i believe oh the zodiac the sign yeah 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 she oh, like chinese tries to zodiac. map all that oh but like, you have to like put in your like birth area birth time yeah um, astrological she's like huge into that and i'm always like mom get out of here yeah you know what i mean but i but i can see like i've seen those like crazy like astrological charts and like mm-hmm. it's like 10 pages of shit and i'm like what the yeah but it breaks down does don't they like break down year by year kind mm-hmm. of like what your life essentially looks like mm-hmm. and have you ever gotten one done i have so i've gotten um my birth chart read in india actually so mm-hmm. the last time i went i got it read okay and um they actually pinpointed exactly i've never met this woman in my life um she has only ever known me through my birth chart wow and um i met her for the first time and she told me like i don't talk to her about my life like she, the all the communication i've had with her is through my mom so she'll say stuff my mom will write it down and communicate it with me so that's mm-hmm. how it, birth charts have worked for me at least and the last time i went to her she kind of told me that which was the weirdest thing that i was going to i need to take care of my hair and i was going to go through a hair loss and i swear to god i went through a hair deficiency like i i had some type of deficiency in my body and i lost so much hair so much hair it was the weirdest thing hmm. and then they had like my career pinpointed and they were telling me that i actually talked to a different person that read my birth chart um when i was at kush actually okay so i was overseas and i got it read and I have the note that I wrote down, I was taking notes on, and it told me that I was going to experience hardships in my career starting July 2020. Shut. That's exactly when I got furloughed. That is pretty bananas. Isn't that crazy? I don't care who believes that shit or doesn't, but that's like, but when you pinpoint exact dates like that, that wasn't something you could have like ever asked for. Um, you don't ask for a pandemic. Like you can't individually like have something that happened to yeah. you or your life. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And part of me has always said that I've kind of wanted to get like mine read or done or curated or however that works. But mm-hmm. like what I'm always scared of is knowing and reading these charts and then living your life by them. It's kind of like going to um, like a psychic, right? And mm-hmm. then reading your palm and stuff. Cause my cousin was super into that and she'd like always like read palms and she'd say like, oh, you have like a simple path trajectory. Like this is what this line means. This is what that one means. Like, you know, you fold your hand or your hand that you write with and see how many kids you have, like all that weird shit. And I'm like, I don't necessarily want to sit here and think about like, yeah. oh, well, I don't want kids, but it's telling me that I'm going to have one or two. Like, I yeah. don't want to sit and think that that's like a prediction of my life. Um, yeah. Whereas I know that there's some people that really do like follow that or they in the back of their head think like, oh, well, now I'm going to try for that kid because, 
it said that, or like my palm said that I'm mm-hmm. going to have one or two, right? So that that there's always like that fear. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's when you have to hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. a little bit to the point where like, you have you ultimately have control of your own life yeah and i've the best way i think i've heard someone put it is that you have in your life you have a path and there's boulders in your pathway and there's pebbles in your pathway you can't move those boulders but those pebbles are easily kicked around and moved a wind will come you can change direction things will happen so in terms of those like boulders it's things like who you're supposed to marry or things that you can't change that are inevitable in your life like you ultimately can't avoid death so things like that yeah um those would be boulders like people that are very significant in your life so I've had friends in my life that were significant for like a year or two and then I've never spoken to them ever again and those would be boulders in my path during that time like unavoidable people talk about the word twin flame and soulmates and all that and I think those would be like boulders as well because you ultimately have a lesson to learn from them from the universe I guess yeah that's an interesting take on it and I I really like that um damn well so with your parents so your parents have also both had their their Mm -hmm. signs read is there anything in those signs I guess that depicted that they were supposed to be together or was it just because of like the compatibility because I'm not quite sure exactly how like the arranged side of things works or like how it's like really put together like I don't know if there's more it's so it's preferential so not all families are into it and not like my mom's family not that into it like my mom was telling me that they were like frantically trying to find her birth chart because they don't really care for it like they didn't know where it was whereas my dad's side of the family is super into it like all of the arranged marriages I think in that family were made um with the blessing of like a birth chart being like accurate kind of thing or being compatible in a way I don't think they're crazy about it I've never heard anybody in my family except for like my dad obviously because I talked to him about it um talk about it but and that's the only reason I know is that they were wanting to look at birth charts got it but my parents are Honestly, like, if I had a relationship like them, I would be blessed. My dad, we make fun of my dad because he's so unromantic. Um, And my mom's such a romanticizer at heart. Like, she, she's just so cute. I love her. Um, Obviously, she's my mom. (laughs) And, um, but my dad just cares for her in such a different way. Like, if she's, like, super into something and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this, like, he'll research everything about it and like he'll know exactly what it is and she he makes her the one thing I love about my dad and their relationship with my mom is that he makes her feel important like even if she doesn't know something or even if she doesn't feel as like strong in something or where her opinion would matter he would bring her in and explain to her like this is a situation I'm going to teach you what this is and like then you can make your decision after you understand what this is but I still want your opinion on it kind of thing and that's what I look for and I, I like joke around with him all the time I'm like I have a lack of daddy issues that's why I'm not like wanting to find a man mm-hmm. so fast <laughs> yeah no I get it um what's so a friend and I had this conversation the other day and it was she had been watching that show on um Indian dating on Netflix do you mm. do you know what it's called the arranged marriage one right yes. yeah I saw a little bit of that 
and some point that she brought up because she had asked me if I'd seen it and I and I hadn't I was like oh I'm interested in watching it but I wanted to sit down because I when I opened it I didn't realize or when I started I didn't realize that there were subtitles and Mm -hmm. I wanted to have something kind of in the background and I was like shit I need to make time for this but she was pretty much saying she's like what a lot of like western society lacks is that they don't look at marriage they they look at it as this like romanticized thing Mm -hmm. right whereas they don't look at it as like a partnership Mm -hmm. like a business it is genuinely a business transaction because when you first start dating, we all know that there is the love, there's the romance, there's the butterflies, right? Right. And that's the first maybe six months to a year, right? And I think you can genuinely and deeply continue to love somebody. However, those little like quick feelings fade and then you start looking at the real shit in life, mm-hmm. right? This is your partner. This is your best friend. This is the person that you're going to do shit with, right? Mm-hmm. You invest in homes together. You start mu- mutual funds. Right. You, um, you know, you handle loss, you handle death, you handle families, dogs, whatever that may be, right? But you're doing everything together. And what people don't realize is they don't work on that aspect. Whereas I feel like with your parents, it's like, they were like, okay, well, we're compatible enough. So we're just going to start the partnership now mm-hmm. without letting it go. And that was the foundation of their relationship. So then yeah. over time, what they do is instead of romanticizing this whole hold on butterfly love feeling, mm-hmm. right? Um, they work on them as like individual people and push each other up and like really build this like fulfilled entity together. Yeah. Um, and so exactly. that's like, with you just saying that I was like, wow, like I wish that that was something I could almost say even like about my parents mm-hmm. sometimes or like relationships that I even admire in my life mm-hmm. or that I've had that I thought that I was like so like in love, right? Yeah. Um, the love comes after, at least for my parents. But then I will say that there's a little downside to that too as, um, like a child of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, I never grew up in a household that had like affection. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen my parents kiss. Like they rarely hold hands. Like now I'll see them be like all romantic and stuff. And, and it's cause we've pushed my dad. We've been like, mom deserve this. Like you need, she likes this. Like you need to like be there for her. We're not here to fulfill that void. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause my sister, my sister and I were off to college. I think that was when my parents went through their first rough patch. I think I've ever like seen them go through. My mom was crying, calling me like at that point. I think that was the first time I like was like, you need to do you need to focus on your happiness like I told both my parents I was like ultimately like you're happy don't do anything for an and I because this is my sister and I it's all just about you guys like we want you to be happy first and they worked on it obviously it just needed communication but Mm -hmm. it there was the first time that I like they've let me into their issues I guess because every every marriage has issues and their own battles and stuff um but that I would say that was one of the downsides is that I I had at the very beginning of like me getting into like being with boys and stuff and guys, um, I had a very difficult time being very touchy feely and open without mm-hmm. liquor. And I had somebody tell me at one point, like, you don't show affection to me unless you have like a sip of liquor. And I'm like, and that was like such a huge shock for me that I had to take a step back and look at myself and I had to yeah. reevaluate like why am I like this like what is the issue like my parents would show me affection all the time I hugs are always a thing like I always get kissed like by my parents and stuff but mm-hmm. I've never seen my parents do that romantics those romantic things um and so I've had this conversation with them too earlier in life now and they're like yeah we understand that now now that you're older but like we didn't know that before um So I would say that was one of the downsides of that. But ultimately, I think love coming after um, was a blessing for them. Now, with that being said, sorry, I'm going like on and on and on. No, please. Um, This is for. 
I know some arranged marriages that have kicked off as partnerships and have only stayed partnerships. And that's when you end up in a loveless marriage and you kind of only do it for your children or because there's also a taboo of divorce in arranged marriages because Mm -hmm. it's like you guys, you have expectations from your family. You have expectations of like your religion with the whole birth chart thing coming in, if especially if they're really strict on that, you know, yeah. like if specific families are strict on that as well. So I, it, it's, there's so many moving parts to it that I'm also, I'm almost like glad that my parents don't expect that from me at all. What it, so are they ever open about like being affectionate behind closed doors, um, being, or why they chose not to be affectionate around you guys when you were growing up? And then also like them finding love. Cause I'm kind of interested in that. Like how they, I guess like how they were able to like find actual, like a love marriage. Um, so I've never really like deep dived into my like parents, like behind closed doors, like mm-hmm. sexual stuff, just cause they're, they like barely hold hands and like kiss in front of us. So, um, talking about that stuff is like a little taboo. Um, I've never had a sex talk with my parents. Neither have I though. So that's pretty interesting. Do they, okay, but when you say sex talk, do you mean like the whole like birds and the bees thing? Or are you saying like just anything even like remotely about yeah, sex? Yeah, like at one point I think I had to ask like my mom, like did you and dad have sex to have me yeah. in a Like I remember I have this like very, like very distinct memory of me being like in first or second grade, probably second grade because that's when I was here. I was like thinking that, I remember thinking that people had babies, like Indian people. Like, I don't know how it's only Indian people have babies this way, (laughs) but I guess that's what my mind thought of because it was like, like I didn't know any better. I was in second grade. My parents didn't talk about, uh, talk about this stuff with me. Um, so I thought they would just like get married and like God would do like their thing once they sleep in a bed together. Like that was my innocent mind. Like, oh, you just kind of lay next to each other and like, and then I kind of just pray for a child and you have a baby. Interesting. At least it's not the stork story. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's where my mind took it. And so um, I had to actually ask my mom and be like, did you did you guys do the deed? This has happened. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah. That's... So every time I've asked my mom, she's never like lied to me or anything like that. Um, my mom found out that I was sexually active on accident, so what? That's Hell. fine. <laughs> Read a text. Accidental, <laughs> accidental nude to your mom. No, actually, I mean, I feel like that would be easier. I almost sent my mom like this. This there was this meme of Kermit the Frog like smoking something, and it was like a picture. Of, it was like smoking a dick, <gasps> and I almost sent my mom that meme. Like, I, I almost, almost died died yeah of course um but we were washing dishes and I was talking about like switching my birth control or getting back on birth control and she was like yeah like but you can take your time on that you're not like sexually active right and I looked at her and I was like oh yeah I am and she was like she looked at me and she's like um okay and then it was shelved like we never talked about it like ever again (laughs) yeah well you know at least she didn't like shame you I think that like you being like 
you know, younger and you're still like finding yourself. And I don't know how early you started like, you know, birth control, but I feel yeah. like like statements from your parents can be like so traumatizing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know for me, even when I was living at home, like even my early twenties, like my parents would say something, it would like affect me, mm-hmm. even if like I didn't want it to, but imagine yeah. her like just shaming you for having sex and then you're having sex and then all you can think about is your mom shaming you. Yeah. Like 100%. how traumatizing. Yeah. I mean, it, my parents' opinions definitely affect me now. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I'm telling them, oh, I'm doing this. It could be anything simple like, oh, I'm going to buy this. And they don't agree with it. I would think twice about making that decision. And sometimes that can be a little hard. And God, honestly, God bless my parents. Like they do the best that they can. Um, Like I said, everything's a conversation with them. And if I tell them like I'm having a really difficult time, like you guys can't do this to me. They understand. And they kind of like take a step back and let me do me, make my own mistakes. So I've had those, I've had to have those conversations with my parents, but now they've ultimately come around to like, there's a difference between what you're exposed to and what I'm exposed to. And I've had to have like the talk with them because in culture, well, getting into culture and dating uh, within the Indian community is so different. It's so, so, so different. It's almost like it makes me want to disconnect from all Indians. Um, so if you ask my mom, she'll she'll be like, I don't even think my daughter likes Indians, honestly. And it's not that at all. It's really not. It's just every Indian man that I've ever encountered is raised to be baby. Like they just walk around thinking that Indian women owe them something. Interesting. And I don't owe nobody nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like not from the get go. Obviously, I owe like people I care about, my friends, my relationships with my family, like anything that I have, like a relation, any person that I have a relationship with, I owe them something to an extent. Right. That's that. But random men who are like trying to hit on you, granted, if they're Indian or not, I don't owe you anything. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I really don't. And I'm the type of person who's like, if I'm not into you, I wouldn't I won't let you buy me a drink either. So. Um, there's been a couple instances where I've tried to like give, be nice to people and like let them down. I always let people down easily because like, obviously you can't, it takes courage and I respect that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if I say no, it's a no. And Indian men sometimes don't know what no is because you're Indian. So I've, yeah, I've definitely had to experience that a lot. Um, and also, um, in India, it's changed a lot now, but when I was um, living there and visiting um, at a young age, you can also, if you speak to in, older Indian um, people now, they also have the same idea of what beauty is. So the beauty standards in India are very different. Um, I'm not considered very beautiful in terms of Indian standard because I don't have fair skin and dark hair. Yeah. So that's what the that's what the thing is over there. It's fair skin and dark hair. Ultimately, I'm I'm pretty comfortable now like with my skin color and who I am and what I have to offer. Dude, like you're gorgeous. <laughs> like everybody that sees you is like, "Damn, this 58 beauty." Okay. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Just your number one high queen. Um, but so being I went to India a couple of years back and my sister is the complete opposite of me. Fair skinned dark, long, beautiful hair. Like we don't look alike at all. But mm-hmm. when I look at her, I'm like, you're so beautiful. Like obviously I have a biased opinion because that's my sister. But in India, she would, people would look at her and stare and point at her. Cause she was like, 
fair skinned and long hair that's long black hair that is what beauty standards are back there and um everyone's if and then if you look at makeup from olden days it's always whiter because everyone's try to be lighter skin than what they actually are okay beauty and there's like creams being marketed as like gain fairer skin like you can have that kind of thing so it was definitely a thing back there it's not as much um now but we i remember this moment where my dad actually had to step in and be like what what the fuck are you looking at that's my daughter wow. yeah we were in we were in our bus like in our tour guide um in our tour bus and um some guys were driving down the freeway with us in a motorcycle and they like saw my sister my sister's oblivious as shit she's so beautiful doesn't realize it so my nosy ass was like what the, that's my little sister mm-hmm. we looking at let me see mm-hmm. right and i was happened to sit next to my dad yeah and I looked over and they were like speeding up. They were adjusting their speed to like look at her. And um, and then eventually they ended up being at my dad's eye level. And my dad literally like looked over and was like, what the hell's happening? Like, what are you doing? And then they just like sped off. But like, that's how it is. And there's this video I've taken of me and my sister. And my sister's like, oh my God, that guy's just staring at me. Oh my God. And I like turn it over and like they're, they have no shame in staring back then. It just... it. When you look like you're not from there, and that's me saying that. Like, I'm Indian, and I, I look like I don't belong there. Um, they they stare at you. So. Is, or is it because of, like, a Western culture influence? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Is, is skin bleaching popular? Um, I am know? not too sure, but I know that some, like, famous people and actresses and stuff have taken pills to, like, make their skin super fair. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. And does, do you feel like your sister is kind of affected by that anytime she's visited? Or do you feel like it does? it's kind of like just rolls off her shoulders? No, I honestly haven't really talked to her about it. I think she's so in her own world that she sometimes doesn't realize. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, with a fairness, I think, like she actually went through a time period where she like wanted to be fair and didn't want to be tan and... I don't know if it was like a preference thing for her, but we tell her like, I, Anari, you're looking a little ghostly. Like you got to stop, <laughs> get some sun girl, do some shit. Like I'll give you some of my color. <laughs> but you know how hard it is to get tan Okay, <laughs> when you have fair skin, it's rough and then you burn. It's not a fun time. <laughs> she tans so well. She has like an olivey undertone oh, okay. and like, yeah. she just, she tans really well. I tan stupidly like all that's the only reason I don't like to tan is because I don't get like that beautiful glow that Mm -hmm. some girls get I look I start looking dull so I can't really get tan (laughs) because no one wants a dull bitch walking the streets (laughs) the only thing the pandemic is doing for you is keeping you out of the sun yeah (laughs) I'm glowing (laughs) dude you know what's interesting so I was doing some I was doing some research earlier and I found out that in India there are apparently dating apps that are specific for the individual's parents. So the parents are on their um, on their dating app pretty much like not um, they're they're finding love for their like their daughters or, no or I believe for like their daughters. Yeah, and then so what they do is they they go in and then they try to match their children based on like finance, religion, a lot mm-hmm. of like family compatibility, and all before like the first date. And so I know that I think that this is more like prominent a little bit like nowadays mm-hmm. and still there. I think like Tinder is still not allowed or hasn't taken off like in India, for example. But I guess my question to you is how do your parents actually feel about dating apps? So um, 
I actually haven't asked them. I've I've actually told them like, oh yeah, I'm talking to this guy on this dating app. Like I met him. All the guys that I like tell my parents about, like, oh, I'm talking to this guy or kind of might go on this date or oh, I have a FaceTime day with this guy maybe. Like I'll keep them in the loop every time I see them, even if it's like minor. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that and I'll get into that reason um, after this. But um, they're, I think they're very foreign. They don't know how to react. So they don't necessarily want to give me like a negative response, but they don't also want to give me a positive response because they've never experienced it. So they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like they, they have questions for me. So I don't, I don't think they necessarily, like, I think it's more like, oh, she's doing what she has to do, you know? Um, but the only reason I took, I, I like give them so much insight into my love life is like, apparently this is my theory. This is my theory. Lay it on me. When you turn 25, (laughs) Everyone in your family, there's a bell that goes off. Like, oh, oh, she's ready to get married. Oh, 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 let me start arranging her. I have had, since I turned 25 in August, my mom has tried to set me up with at least three guys. Or somebody has called her trying to set me up. Okay, but how how was she finding these men? Like, are, are these so family friends? So it's more like my family members will talk to somebody they know. And their son will be, like, their, like, friend's son would be looking for, like, a girl, right? And everyone would just be like, oh, my God, Jonki, I love her family. I love her parents, and I love Jonki. Because being in India, I was the first person, I was the first great-grandchild in my generation. So I was the first child in my generation. And my entire family at that time lived on one street. Or, like, in the area. So, and I was a very outgoing baby. I wanted to talk to everyone. I literally went to everybody, roamed my own streets by myself. Yeah. Every, I was very independent as a child. So, Lo and behold, so you are now. <laughs> people like know me that I don't know. So I grew up around like being very, very open to other people and people knowing me without me knowing them. So have, growing up like that, you kind of have to have like a sense of acceptance to people meddling in your life mm-hmm. out of the goodness of their heart. So I have, um, a, I would say a higher tolerance of that than the typical person because people will, they, they obviously have some type of love for me enough for me to, enough for them to recommend me as a potential marriage partner yeah. to somebody else that they care for, you know? But the thing is, none of these motherfuckers are in my type. <laughs> How do Bitch, I tell we talked somebody about, that? We, talk, we talked about finding love when it's not your type. Yeah. God, sometimes you gotta like just give it a shot. I'm not saying like, you know. You know, I did. I did. <laughs> she got burnt once. She's traumatized. No I thanks. I really did. And it was just, unco- I was just uncompatible with him, honestly. Yeah. And he's a great guy and he's super sweet. But we just, there's, we don't click. I'll be saying one thing and he'll take it as a whole different thing. Yeah. And it's. And he actually was the one that like tried to pursue me and stuff, which is which is fine. I decided to give it a choice, but he's a great, great individual human being. I I'll be friends with him still, but like I just don't see it working out like that. Yeah. Um. So that was the first guy I gave a chance, and my mom was like walking on clouds. She was like <laughs> walking on sunshine. <laughs> well, she's like, I did this. My daughter's gonna be married for real. Yeah. For real. And like, it, I mean, it is what it is. My dad's usually on my side. But this time he was like, oh, well, you should kind of give it a chance. And I was like, oh, God. 
even my dad. Yeah, I thought I had one. Right? So I gave it a chance, and now I'm like, I'm just not ready to talk to anybody my parents are introducing to me. Like, they mean well, um, but I just need to do this on my own. Like, I need need to kiss a couple frogs and do what I need to do and just kind of deal with it on my own. Yeah. Because what they're finding for me is not something that I feel like I'm... That's like what I'm looking for at this point in my life. Are Nothing you, against it, though. Do they have like other certain expectations for you? Like I, I like I guess to my understanding, what I assume is that they want you to get married. I assume that they want you to have a family. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for them, right? Like, what other expectations? I guess do they have like for your dating life? So my parents would obviously want me to marry an Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had their way, they would want me to to marry an Indian. But when I first started talking to them about talking to them about dating, they would tell me that they I want you to marry Gujarati, which is a specific type of Indian, which mm-hmm. is what I am. And now it's like a oh, I don't really care what kind of Indian he is, maybe just an Indian. But now I think they're realizing like I brought my daughter to America. There, it's a melting pot of ethnicities over here Mm -hmm. her preferences are gonna change and after like that whole crying session with my mom I've also that also like made me want to be 100% candid with them Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day I don't ever want whoever I bring home to feel like he's not wanted ever that's not fair to that person um so that's why I let my parents know like oh I'm I'm talking to this guy or I might go on a date with this guy or I'm making plans with this one kind of thing. Granted, um, I talk like I'm going on a date like every single week. I'm not. <laughs> this is like over the span of like maybe three years. But when it's relevant, yes. I let them know. Um, just so they're not like blindsided. Like I don't want them to like me be like, surprise, I have a boyfriend. He's not exactly what you want him to be. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you'll know who I'm talking to. Like you'll know who are the front runners up. Like all like ultimately I want it to be easier for my sister because she does like I said her personality is not too strong um so I want to be able to kind of break the ice in a way so like my parents are like okay with me like they've already experienced me dating all these different people and like me bringing like different types of cultures and religions and whatnot into the house and then ultimately having to be like acceptant of it because they love me and they love the guy um, I want that to be like an easier hurdle to yeah. cross for my sister. Cause it was a t- terrible, terrible hurdle for me to cross at the beginning. I can only imagine. And how old you, is your sister? She's 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that age difference. Yeah. So she's four years younger than me. Um, she's in nursing school and she's on fast track right now. So she has no time to even breathe. So she's not looking into guys, but I'm like still trying to encourage her to like, at least be on dating apps. Like have that option to where like if you do decide to have a little bit of time you you don't feel like a sense of void in that category yeah so yeah and i'll give her like a little bit of like breathing room i think just Mm. in general away from nursing school yeah i think she needs like a little bit of a break sometimes but do you think that you'll get have like a traditional indian wedding you know (sighs) 
Because I know you've gone to a couple since I've met you. Yes. I've gone to a couple weddings and I absolutely adore Indian weddings. I think that's one of the most beautiful things I think I ever could have done. Like, do you want to go through like a little bit of the tradition? So I don't know a lot about like the, the traditional like cadence of one. I know there's like a specific like dress and I think mm-hmm. uh, amount of days and like the yes. style of it. Can you yeah. kind of cover that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, ultimately a traditional Indian wedding, at least the ones I've been to, they're done a little bit differently depending on what religion you are, what state you grew up in and what type of Indian you are. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So, um, sometimes they're like mixed weddings. Like my cousin had a Sikh, the w- Sikh and Hindu wedding Ooh, because okay. her husband was Sikh and obviously our family is Hindu. Um, so how that works is that typically they're three days long, um, five ceremonies. The first two days is the, um, well, the first day is typically it would start like a Thursday night. That would be like a Mendi, which is like where henna gets put on, put on. Um, it's more for family. Um, and then the next morning is a vidi, which is like cleansing of like the bride and groom also for family. But now typically I've noticed that like it's, everything's kind of been open to whoever can make it. Um, the requirements is usually like the wedding ceremony or like the reception. And then after the sangeet or after the, um, vidi, you have a sangeet, which is, um, I don't know like the, um, cultural, uh, impact of that or meaning behind it um but it's like kind of like a dance night okay. um i think it's to welcome the gods but i might i may be wrong um and then the next day is the wedding and then you have a reception so typically that's how it goes and each each ceremony is a different dress so um different colors it's very beautiful very expensive um so every day i kind of I mean, I don't have a man, but like when I think about it, I'm like, I love a traditional wedding. Like I will have an Indian wedding always, but then I'm like, do I even want a big wedding? Yeah. Like, do I want to go through that? I kind of just want to elope maybe and have a traditional wedding with like a small group of people. And then I'll have like a huge Indian style reception with everyone and have like a party. How does the reception differ from the actual wedding? Is there like... It's like on a different day or like how do we... So um, Thursday would be... So the wedding and the reception is on the same day, typically a Saturday. Okay. So I, di- I didn't know if there was like a separation. Yeah. So weddings in the morning, like around one, maybe noon, okay. you have lunch and then everyone goes back to their respective hotel rooms, um, do whatever you want kind of thing. And then the reception will start again at like seven. There will be like a cocktail hour. Got it. Type of thing. For the dresses, so I, I so I know that you every single day you said there's a new dress, mm-hmm. right? Is there like a, um, I guess like an impact of the dress? Is there a meaning behind it? Is there like a significance, I guess, of like colors? Do you know? So typically the bride wears red, but okay. now that it's more modern now, everyone puts their own twist on things. Um, so I've seen less and less restrictions on what you have to wear. So I haven't really been raised with like, you have to wear this at this ceremony and because of this significance. So I don't really know too much the, um, the significance of that, but, um, it is a different outfit. Like for, um, the dance part of it, the Sangeet, you have to wear, I mean, you don't have to, but most people typically wear a, I call it a Chanya Choli, but some, some, um, Languages just call it a choli, which is like a skirt, a blouse, and like the um, the extra piece of fabric, which is called like a dupatta. Okay, interesting. And yeah. what about the people that are attending the wedding and the people that are like in the ceremony? So, um, 
I honestly haven't. Bridesmaids are is a very um, Western thing. Okay. So th- there's no such thing as bridesmaids and groomsmen in India. It's more just like you, you bride and groom. That's about it. And it, the family helps. Um, so I don't, I think it's bride's preference at that point in terms of coordinating like bridesmaid dresses and things like that. I don't know how ceremonies would work for me. So I don't know if my bridesmaids will have a dress. I think I will want all my bridesmaids to be wearing an Indian outfit. So I think I will essentially take them all shopping, but I don't think, I don't know if I'll have them match or anything like that. Interesting. Yeah. I like that you can play around with it a little bit. Do the families like coordinate in like colors or styles or is there like a difference, I guess, when it comes to maybe like certain like symbolism? So um, my cousin's wedding actually had that. I think in Sikh it might be that. There's a there's a moment before um, you get married and I, I, I don't want to speak on this because I'm not too familiar with it. I'm only talking about experience and yeah. each member from each side of the groom's side and the bride's side will come in and place a flower garland on the other person and that's kind of like welcoming the other family into your um, family kind of thing. Okay. I think it's like a welcome thing. Um, so in when I was when my cousin's wedding was having that they had color color coordinated because in Sikh you have to cover your hair when you go into the temple mm-hmm. um so everyone they had like Indian do-rags I guess mm-hmm. so they would tie it on their heads the men and then they would do that that ceremony with the flower garland and stuff so they were color coordinated with the groom groom side and the bride side but I think it was more of like a preference thing. Interesting. Is there so when two different religions get get married I guess is it um typically like subjective if they want to like convert to a certain one or so, how does that work? Um, back in the day, you wouldn't really do cross religions okay. um, like that. So you would only see like, back in the day, it was even worse. Like you would be from a specific, it's called Gam and um, Gujarati, but specific like areas. So it would be like counties in a way okay. and you would date within your county kind of thing. And, like, you would date within your caste system. But, like, my dad's family was a little modern. So, like, I never really knew, grew up knowing about the caste system until I came here and studied about it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were, um, I kind of just, my thought just died. (laughs) Literally just died. Like, I have no idea where it went. So, so my question was, um, when you have two, essentially, when you have two different religions, um, does one convert with the other? Um, So, now it's more Western. So, now they're like, so I've had now two inner um, religion or different religions marry into our family. So, my cousin married her husband, who is Sikh, and they're raising their kids to be both. Hmm. So, they'll talk to them. They're... Both of it actually works better for them is because they're both not too religious. They'll follow like specific practices, Hindu practices and Sikh practices here and there. So I haven't talked to her about any like issues that they've had. I don't think they've had any issues because I think they're both not religious enough to like have those fights with each other. Um, But there's like they've had certain ceremonies for my nephew and would have had a specific ceremony for my niece um in order to welcome in welcome them to the world from a Sikh point of view 
Got it. Yeah. But like there's also Hindu ceremonies that people do for their kids at certain times. And like my cousin would would do that for them. Mm -hmm. So they kind of do both. And the second one was um, the most recent wedding I went to when I was working at Kush actually. That was my guy cousin marrying a Bahrainian. So she's Muslim. Okay. And that was that's super taboo in the Hindu religion just because um, of the history and um, the things that have happened between Pakistan and India and the ongoing conflicts between the two countries. So um, that was initially a hurdle that had to be crossed in terms of our entire family speaking about it. And like, I don't... I went through something similar, so I kind of, like, resonate with that a little bit. And I, like, would never wish that upon anybody else. And, like, now that I've, like, every I've grown up and I've experienced life and, like, realized what's right and what's wrong in my upbringing and I've, I'm kind of, like, making the effort to, like, reverse those and make those changes, mm-hmm. um, I think my cousin marrying her was the best decision that he could ever make for himself and for our family. And they're still, like, accepting of her and yes. him together. 100%. So they've battled. Okay. Yes. And they're married now and they're happy. And that cousin, I wasn't ever as close to him as, like, my other cousins. He's, I'm still very close to him. Like, I'll, I love him to death. But mm-hmm. um, I have never seen him this loving towards anybody, like, his family, anybody, until she came into his life. And she has had such a positive impact on him as a person and as a human being that like you kind of have to look past all these other things like you have you it's like religion doesn't make the person yeah and it's and I'm in that him marrying her has been such a blessing in our family from that perspective because it makes people accept that and I've had oh speaking of that that reminds me of my other cousin that went the non-traditional route and if she ever listens to this, she might fucking kill me. But um, she ended up getting pregnant before she was married. And it was to a black guy. So that's interracial um, marriage. And also taboo. And also taboo because she got pregnant. And so... And she kept the child? She kept the child. Um, she looks like a little Kardashian baby. She's so fucking cute. Um, and then they accidentally got pregnant again. Because after you give birth once, I guess you're super fertile for like mm-hmm. the next year or whatever the timeline is until she got pregnant again. And like she has two kids now a year apart. And are they, are the two married or are they yes. looking to get married? Okay. So they're married, but like she's also in a way, like this is like the heartbreaking part is that like it's so taboo in our family and our culture to have that. And Indian culture is a lot about what will they think? Like what would mm-hmm. this person think? Like, it's always, like, what the other person thinks. And that's not okay. And my parents have reversed that a lot. Thank God. Yeah. Um. So I don't have to deal with that. But, like, it breaks my heart because, like, she could have had that wedding. Like, she could have had a big wedding eventually yeah. if people didn't talk about it. If people weren't so taboo against it, she could have been happy. And she wanted that. Like, she's kind of like me in a sense that she she's, like, the life of the party. And she's, like, super personable and yeah. non-judgmental. And she just deserved. She deserved to have her moment. And that's what breaks my heart is that, like, I, I wish that, like, these are things that my family, like, learns from. Do you think that that's something that she can have on her horizon? Or do you think no. that that's an idea she's canned? I think she's canned it. Damn. Being in her generation and yeah. being that old. And granted, if I was her age and that's what I went through, like, I think that's what I would do. 
at this moment, like in time, as I mean, we you can edit this out if you want, if it's a little too taboo. But no. like, if I get pregnant, I'm I'm not keeping it. Like, there's yeah. no way that I can go through that. Like, personally. And that's not because of my family talking to me and like affecting me or whatever. But like, I just, that's just something I can't go through. And the fact that she made that decision to go through with it, being in that taboo position, knowing what was going to happen, like all the power to her, like you're a strong fucking woman. Yeah. And I hope people like see it. People in my family at least see it from there. Like it's, it can be done. And I think my generation, like the... What the immigrants like in your generation too it's a lot about undoing mm-hmm. practices and things that we've learned but I never that's one thing that I'm always like sensitive about too because obviously my parents and I have a different have a difference in opinions in terms of religion and stuff and um he, they and I can never tell them that they're wrong because my parents have been through riots and have gotten hurt yeah. and they've been through shit in India that you can't undermine. I wasn't alive for it. I wasn't there for it. There was one moment that I was there for and my dad was actually hurt because there was riots incited while I was in India and they were beating up somebody next to him and he got hurt because his hand was out in the car. Oh, God. And like just, and it wasn't even like targeted towards him. You know what I mean? And like, it was all because it was... Muslims versus Hindus and so I get it like I I they've lived through it they've built that opinion based on things that they've lived through and you can't tell someone that they're wrong but they also can't tell me that I'm not allowed to do something like that you know well what I am proud of with them is I think that they're actively trying to make a change I think that they realize that they're like you said earlier right hey we immigrated to the states Mm -hmm. for a different life we are raising a daughter that is American she's Indian American and while yes like she has her roots Mm -hmm. she has the freedom to make her own decision and while I think it's going to take a little bit of unwiring and undoing I think that they are in like the right position to say like you know what hey, we can still kind of hold on to this, but mm-hmm. like we're going to also outwardly just say like we might be wrong yeah. in some areas and maybe they're also right, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, but they're working towards it. Yeah. And that's the, brings me back to like everything's like a conversation for them. Yeah. Thank God. So I guess with all of that being said, um, to kind of like cap all things out, where do you like see your future in your dating life? Like what, is, what path are you carving for yourself? Um, in terms of like arranged marriage and love marriage or like career and everything just on the dating sphere I mean you can even like bring in career into that because I know how much that weighs into outside of dating um so I think the pandemic has um, made me reflect a lot about my relationships and my dating life dating was always a back burner thing for me like it was never a priority I will always choose my career over boys always 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 I'm gonna just snaps for that bad boy always (laughs) and um I have come to realize that it's okay to put your heart first sometimes so I've consciously let my because I think I was a little too guarded I wouldn't even if I wanted to do something I wouldn't do it so now I'm at the point where like you do something if you want to do it but if you feel guilty about doing it instead of your career then don't do it if you know you're gonna feel guilty about it then why put yourself through it So that's where I'm at with my dating life. I think I need to get my career um, back on track. But um, in terms of the thing that I've discovered about me is that I think I have commitment issues. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't we, we don't all? have daddy issues, but we have commitment yeah, issues. Yeah, no daddy issues, but commitment issues for good, sure. That's good. I was talking to one of my guy friends, and he told me he was going to listen to this podcast, so shout out to you. Hey, yo. Yeah, he knows exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to him, and he was like, I think you've just had a lot of failed relationships in your life with like friends and men and just relationships in general, not romantic and not romantic, platonic, whatever, that you, you've had such let down you have so many letdowns that you kind of have surface level relationships with a lot of people in your life just so you have options to not be hurt and when he said that to me I was like this is mind-blowing this is fucking mind-blowing like you were so absolutely right like I have surface level relationships with so many people in my life that I would consider my friends that come around like here and there I like we don't do like deep stuff with them they don't do deep stuff with me like And I'm, like, slowly coming to the realization that, like, although it's okay to have that, like, you shouldn't use that as a security blanket. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to let your guard down, and it's okay to do that. But um, another thing that plays into my love life is also um, my future in terms of personal career goals that I have for myself. Um, I really want to get my MBA, and I feel... Bitch, you didn't tell me this earlier when I was talking. Yeah. Okay. my queen <laughs> it's a personal goal of mine like right. i just i just want to get my mba just to say i have my motherfucking mba you know whether i use it or not i never want that to be like i don't want to get to a point in my career where it's like oh i can't progress because i don't have my mba in in what R- right now i think it's going to be um fpna like more the financial analysis route nikki b if you're listening you shout out nikki b well. <laughs> best boss i've ever had 20 shout out, out to you. <laughs> 20 out of 10 um so he actually was the one that made like FPNA so much fun for me that like every time I do something else and question anything else, I'm like, it's, this is, I just want to learn in this. So if you need someone to work under you, hire me. Nicky B. He actually might. <laughs> he's like a VP right now of like finance, crushing it. Yeah, I texted him. He's actually like doing, he, we're like talking about Nicky B on like this. <laughs> well, I just had his girl on, Christina. Yeah, last week, right? Yeah, you just yeah, released yeah. her episode. Yeah. Yeah, I have to listen to that one. Um... But so I want to get my MBA and um, I like I, I've never been in love, love like I have love for people like there's men in my life that like have completely did me dirty that I'll always care for. Um, and I have no hatred, hatred towards them because they have their own demons and I've given myself closure, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't ever want to fall head over heels for a guy and then change my life unknowingly and not reach my own goals. That's my biggest fear. And I've seen love do crazy things to people. And so I take that and I'm like, damn, I have no idea. I, I, I need to do this for myself before I let in relationships and like men into my life. But it's, it's an ongoing struggle, I think. I, I go back and forth between it. But that's so powerful and I think a lot of people like don't have that self-control or that boundary to say like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to put me first. Mm-hmm. And I think something that we can think about is you can have somebody as like a love priority, yeah. right? But that doesn't mean you put yourself on the back burner because I, as lame as this is going to sound, some like this Lady Gaga quote that always resonates with me mm-hmm. is that um, your career is never going to wake up in the middle of the night and tell you it doesn't love you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was such a powerful chord that struck because 
it, it's right. Yeah. Right. Because you just have you at the end of that day. Mm-hmm. And like you find a partner that you can have love for, that you can love, but you can also find compromise in putting you first. And if they're not there to like support you and push yeah. you towards that goal or dream, kind of like your parents are, then see you never, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think you're, you're right in that. I think putting yourself first and then putting, putting your positive energy out there, that's going to attract the right party. Yeah. And, and I think the reason being that I also use MBA as like a huge example is mm-hmm. because I might be going to Chicago for my MBA. Like all the top finance schools are out there. You know what I mean? Like who knows? Who knows where I'll end up? And I don't want where my relationship, like say my man is in like SoCal or wherever he is and yeah. I want to be closer to him. Like I don't want to only look at schools in SoCal. Like I don't. I really, really, really don't. I want the, the entire United States um, cities to be an option for me because obviously I can't live in like... No. I'm a very particular demographic. You're also like hella extroverted. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just have to be in a city, I think. Mm-hmm. Somewhere kind of populated. Yeah. But the best finance schools for MBA are in Chicago. So I might end up there. I'm not granted I'm not trying to move there anytime soon, yeah. but if that's the if that's where life takes me, then that's where it takes me. Damn. So yeah, that's where I'm at in my dating life. But if I mean if something comes around, then it'll come around. So I'm not pushing anything out that doesn't need to be pushed out, but I'm also not looking for anything, if that makes sense. But I'm open to things. I love that. So, but I, you're manifesting exactly what you need. And I think yeah. you're in the perfect place. Yeah. Dude. So if someone wants to meet me where I am, holla at your girl. But What's up? At Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw your Instagram handle on there. Uh, oh, my God. Well, this was super enlightening. I'm really thankful for you. And honestly, like you're such like a light in my life in so many ways. And I know me that too. we don't talk all day, every day. Mm-hmm. But... I think when we do like get to have a conversation, it's again, it's, it's intimate and, and I truly appreciate yeah. that. So I love levels. you so much too. You're such a huge, honestly, full disclosure. The only reason I'm here today is because I started a workout class and my trainer reminded me of Maria so much that I had to text her and be like, when are you free next week? I'm coming to see you. She, dude, this bitch drove three hours today. <laughs> three yeah. fucking hours. I hope you guys know that's some goddamn commitment. <laughs> that's how much I love Maria. So you have an opportunity to be around her. Do it. Don't miss it. <laughs> well, let's cheers with my empty glass because I have like yes. actually like one drop in here. But cheers. cheers. I love you. Thank love you. you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely.